Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. There's a Manchester derby coming our way. Jesse Marsh's debut with Leeds United, a soon-to-be-sold Chelsea against Burnley, first versus second in Serie A, MLS action, and much, much more. We got the West Coast with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce, and Paris with Jonathan Johnson. Gigo Lasso weekend preview begins right now. Welcome to Kegolasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Kegolasso pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. Anywhere you listen to your pods. Thank you for sharing the word, all the lovely comments that we have received throughout the you know last few months, the last year and a half, etc. We thank you so much. And what a team. I have missed them. I feel like we haven't done this in a while all together. Jimmy Conrad, what's up, buddy? What's up, everybody? Great to see everybody's beautiful faces. And if I can't see you, I know that you're beautiful. And also, I got the call in. I'm not going to be part of Sunday's recap because I'm going to Stanford, Connecticut to be part of the Serie A crew on Paramount Plus, And I'm absolutely buzzing. I love it, my friend. I love it. You'll be so close to me yet so far, Jimmy. Uh, but hey, yeah. we wish you the best Thank with you. the Serie A team, my friend. Heath Pierce, what's up, man? Oh, uh, you know, just trying to recover now from Jimmy's humble brag that he's <laughs> getting get the call up. It's like, you know, the team sheet comes out. You're not on it. So you just you just kind of keep your head down, keep working. That's but how I'm it used otherwise. to be, too. He yeah. never for the national yeah. team as well. It never changes, but I'm good otherwise. Hey, both of you, you can join the line, Keith Pierce. Uh, yeah. I never get the call. It's, it's an anti-Peruvian thing. Jonathan Johnson, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey guys, great to be back on with you. Doing well, thanks. Obviously, busy week for for everyone, and just about over halfway. But uh, great to be back with you all. Absolutely, miss you, everybody. Thank you so much for being part of the family. The games continue here, and of course, this is our weekend preview. There's a lot to discuss. Let's begin with the Manchester Derby, Man City against Manchester United. You know what? It wasn't so long ago, everybody, where we thought Man City have this in the bag. They've done it. And look at this table. It really isn't that far-fetched now to think that Liverpool could overtake, especially as both will face each other later next month. But, Jimmy, let's begin with you. Man City against Manchester United. The Times reports, by the way, that Manchester United players are questioning Harry Maguire's place in the team. What do you think of that? <laughs> they're like fans they're like the rest of us that's what I love that's what I think of first uh what I will say is that United have remarkably and I want to highlight the word remarkably won three straight at the Etihad I just don't know if they're going to do it for a fourth time I, but I guess I never really thought they were going to win the last three and they figured out a way to get the job done I don't know if this is a bit of a bogey team for Man City that there's just maybe too much hype around it that, that you know we've seen them have leads on United in this fixture before and then all of a sudden Pogba works his magic or, or somebody does something special. Cristiano Ronaldo obviously was being courted by Man City, got the call from Sir Alex Ferguson, decided to go back to United. There's a lot of intrigue here. Now, City didn't look great against Peterborough in, in the FA Cup midweek, but I don't know. I, I Them getting 2-0 wins still pretty solid despite how they play. Jack Grealish getting hit in the back of the net I think is super important. And and uh, I just the city's so good. They're so good, and they have to know. And Pep's come out and said it. 
that we have to be perfect from here on out, ultimately, um, paraphrasing, but you know, that we have to go out there and perform like every single game is going to be like the last game of the season, which, which is uh, a nice cliche that a lot of coaches use. So this one's going to be a fantastic game. I'm really looking forward to it. I just want to say very quickly about Ralph Rangnick. When I look back and I went back and I watched a lot of the games, just the highlights, not, not like how, how many, all Jimmy, how many did you watch? I went back like three or four games and a lot of the games where they didn't get results and they create so many chances. When you look at their game uh, against Watford at home, they create so many chances. Bruno doesn't hit the back of the net. Ronaldo doesn't hit the back of the net. Ilanga's got some good chances. He always finds himself in good spots. And at some point, it can't be on Rangnick the whole time. I mean, it's he's not getting, his fault. I think we getting, can get to that. He's getting clean sheets. He's getting clean sheets. And his team has created opportunities. And I don't know what else, as a fan, you you want. I mean, yeah, it could always be aesthetically pleasing in different ways. But I actually think Rangnick's doing an okay job. But the problem is they've got a really tough schedule coming up. Yeah, I mean, I would, how how badly do you like to punish yourself like going back and watching some of United's matches it was, for the last well, couple of months? I'm a masochist, JJ. I'm a masochist. Yeah. So I went back and I watched every one of their games <laughs> just to be just, able to comment on just, this I just want to make sure I... Well, it was a thesis that Ralph Ranick wrote in university. I decided to read it. Uh, but Heath, what, what do you say? Because listen, to that point, I, it's not Ranick's fault. No, I, I don't think so at this point. Something has to be done here this is a talented Manchester United team of course it's not the 90s United they're not as good as Liverpool Man City etc but still uh, to Jimmy's point you know they're doing everything they can keeping a clean sheet etc but you know now they're hosting sorry they're visiting Manchester City what do you expect here yeah I mean obviously Graylish and uh, Gabriel Jesus are supposed to be back I think it's interesting uh, in the context of everything right now because Manchester United as Jimmy mentioned have such a difficult schedule coming up but they are undefeated in eight in the league now if I was a betting man uh, which I am uh, I would, I, I just saw the lines come up on the screen and I'm, uh, Des, if you can throw this back up, I would just go with the plus seven fifty uh, for man United. Obviously, as Jimmy mentioned, they've won last three. And obviously I think statistics like winning the last three at the Etihad don't always play because you got such a different team. Ronaldo has been notoriously overworked in the team and that's, uh, difficult to keep a player from punishing themselves in the way that he does. Cause he wants to play, uh, every single match, but you know, Raheem Sterling's also on a dry spell right now, but it's just one of those matchups where I'm like, man, United, like Jimmy said, you watch them sometimes, you go, man, they could be so good, but the end results never seem to really be there against the Man City side. And now the gap is is, is small in the league. And Liverpool are back in it. And this is going to be have to, have to be one where, where they're just going to have to be more comprehensive against the Man United side that I don't think is going to be blown out of this game. And certainly, uh, if they can find a clinical finisher or ability to finish, could stay in this. I mean, I think when you've got the quality that United have individually, there's always the possibility that they're going to click every now and then. And when they do, you know, it's pretty it's, it's pretty impressive. I mean, I've seen it happen a couple of times in Paris in front of my own eyes, you know, and that, that group of players can come together and create some pretty special football from time to time. It just doesn't happen often enough, you know, certainly not to meet the expectations of the fans, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, perhaps not to justify the large amounts of money that have been spent on them. I, I agree it can't all be put on Ranić, but also at the same time, I mean, when you look at what sort of Ranić's trying to achieve, we always knew that it was going to be, you, you have to make some sort of long-term commitment with Ranić for it to really work. And, you know, if he gets the opportunity to stay on sort of shaping that squad sort of off the pitch, uh, you know, then obviously there's a there's a, there's the chance that he could come away from Old Trafford being a success some point in the next couple of years. But, 
I'm not sure that it's necessarily the right call to keep him on uh, as manager. Uh, you know, and we're still in this same situation that we've been in since Solskjaer left, which is, you know, really who long term is going to be taking over this team, shaping them, getting them to play the way that they want them to play. Because, yes, there are some players who arguably need to be moved on, sort of, you know, bearing in mind their 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 influence on the squad, you know, perhaps not got the best mentalities. You know, we're talking about pretty much a, a geriatric Cristiano Ronaldo now as well. You know, there are elements of sort of dead wood to this squad or players that just are not going to be around for, for the next couple of years. But also at the same time, you know, until United actually answer that question, right, this guy is going to be our coach for sort of the next three to five years. Uh, you know, we're always going to be in this situation where we're looking at it, sort of analyzing them, being like, yeah, you know, they're perhaps not at their best under Ranić, but, you know, also we know that he's not going to be the guy long term. You know what I can't wait for is when at the end of this whole thing, the season ends, wherever they finish, they finish. He's got some time to think about it over the summer. Who are they going to hire? And Ranić goes, you know what? I think I, I'm just going to do it. I'll just, you know what? I'll take it. Don't worry, everybody. We've got it all situated. The players know me now. We don't need to bring anybody new. I can't wait for a transfer window. It's going to be amazing. And the internet's going to melt because Man United fans are going to be up in arms. Now, now with regard to value, I, I just want to say quickly on the bets, plus 750 for United to win straight up is pretty significant. And the last time we kind of looked at things like that, we had Tottenham going to play City. I'm like, plus 1,000. Well, who's going to do that? Like, they're going to get crushed against Man City and they end up winning. So, yeah, I'll take that into consideration. But the draw actually looks kind of tasty at plus 390 because I think I think that could be – it feels like that could be a more realistic possibility than anything else. But what I was looking at before, I just feel like City going to be up for this one, knowing the history. Them to win with the clean sheets, plus 127. And with United not really firing at all cylinders, they're really going to – they're going to have less chances than usual against a very stout City defense. So they're going to have to make the most of those. And they can't even make the most of them when they're playing against Watford. So how are you going to translate that into City? But then Ronaldo does step up in the big games. I don't know. We'll see. And then and then if you think that United will score and City wins, that's plus 190, which I kind of like, like a 2-1, 3-1 to Man City. Yeah, well, a massive narrative here that needs to be talked about, of course, is because Man City looks so good heading into the second leg in the Champions League, they can go all out this weekend, of Great course. Point. And by the way, when you look at the standings, once again, Man City, 66 points. Liverpool with 60, but they have a game in hand. So Man City and Pep Guardiola need to realize, look, Manchester United, whoever, we need to really take control here. And by the way, Pep Guardiola has only done the double over Manchester United only once. Only once. So there, he's looking for that second time right now. So take that of what you will. Let's move on. Jesse Marsh um, takes over Leeds United. A very impressive uh, press conference uh, with Leeds as they look ahead to face Leicester City, I'm not surprised. Jesse Marsh is a smart man, a smart manager. He knows what's at stake. Uh, and, and of course, they need a, a wake-up call, Leeds United, uh, if they haven't woken up already because they are staring just above the relegation zone, Heath Pierce, uh, What do you think here as they visit Leicester City, who, by the way, you know, uh, took care of business against Burnley. Jamie Vardy woke up once again. Yeah, I mean, Jamie Vardy's expected to be back in this one, which I think is going to be a huge challenge for Jesse Marsh. Unfortunately, when it comes to Jesse Marsh, it's like every American, I overthink every single thing they're about to do as opposed to just treating them like a normal person uh, in, in the game and just say, oh, he knows what he's doing. Whether he plays a back three or a back four, I'm assuming he'll go with a back four. But it's just about small details. I think wholesale changes. He's starting to get most of his team back fit and healthy uh, with Bamford back in training now. Obviously, I don't think he'll play in this one, but Phillips and Cooper as well uh, coming back into the team. That is a positive sign for him for the coming weeks. However, you can't overlook this match where Jamie Vardy is going to be back in. And it's a lot, a lot of it's going to be about details of when you press, when you collapse, when you recover. 
because they haven't had that. And I think that's going to be the, the, the number one factor as to whether or not they can start to shore up their defense. That's conceded four in their, in, in their last three games in a row. Now has, 20 I think, in the, February. Yeah. 20 in February has the worst, I think goals against, I don't think it's goal difference. I think ever. It's goals against, the worst uh, in the premier league ever. Yeah. And yeah. so th- there's going to be certain details and you can't tell me similarly, when I look back at what we just talked about with man United, it's, it's, it's appalling to me when you put a plus 700 or 700 plus line against a team that's full of world-class players. When I look at Leeds, they were getting results before they did know what they were doing before yet somehow they've lost a little bit of their way. And so it comes down to that small details. It's not that they can't do it. They don't have the quality. It's about creating that structure again, which we know they didn't have. And so if Jesse Marsh can get in there and just with motivation, do two or three things better. I think they can keep themselves in games. Obviously, uh, Leicester City aren't in the best of form either. So there is an opportunity to get three points, if not a point out of this one. I agree with Heath. I do think there's a good opportunity there for for Jesse Marsh. And I just think that a new breath of fresh air will do this squad wonders. However, the the, the way that I would approach sort of viewing a coach who's coming in and replacing Marcelo Bielsa, having seen it happen in Ligue 1, uh, with Marseille, having seen what, what Galtier did at Lille as well, is... It's always very risky when you inherit a squad from Marcelo Bielsa and they're absolutely torched after giving everything over a couple of years. And you don't want to have that sort of fatigued squad going into a relegation battle. Um, And I think, you know, it's going to be an uphill fight from the very start for Jesse Marsh. I think he's going to have to get some points on the board as quickly as possible to sort of alleviate some of those relegation fears, especially with some of the teams down there starting to pick up unexpected points. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's perhaps going to have to be less demanding than he would have been normally, uh, you know, in order to get the maximum out of his players on the pitch sort of between now and the end of the season. You know, really th- th- all the mission can be at this moment in time is avoid relegation, you know, get to the summer, uh, you know, get the players uh, rested, uh, you know, and then, you know, start to think about next season. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, if Jesse Marsh tries to sort of install the, you know, the same strong pressing tactics that we've seen from him at Salzburg and that he tried to implement at Leipzig. I think it's going to be tough uh, at least solely because these players are just on their feet a lot of the time at the moment, given what they've, you know, given of themselves uh, over the last couple of years for Bielsa. What I'll jump in and say, and I, I'm interested about his first press conference because he either had to, had to answer a question about Ted Lasso or he brought up Ted Lasso. And, and he said, I think there's probably a stigma against American coaches due to the different culture of the sport in Europe. And I'm not sure Ted Lasso has helped. I haven't watched the show. I don't believe you, oh, Jesse Oh, come on. But I get it. That's what he said. Show, Jesse. Like, I, I don't want to be happy, and I'm not having fun, guys. <laughs> like, like, like it. <laughs> and then he went on to say that, you know, how he is. He, he goes, he gives every, everything he has 100%. And, and you know, if you if you believe it, you achieve it. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but then he added, that kind of sounds like Ted Lasso. From what I've heard. Okay, Jesse, we know you've seen the show. But so I do think the stigma does does work against them a little bit. I know Chris Armas at yeah. Manchester United has been called Ted Lasso. And I know that having played with Ted, Chris Armas, he has the same type of vibes. Like he just he just believes in you as a player and believes in you as a teammate. And and these are all positive things. So it to be used negatively kind of sucks. But you're only going to be judged on what you can do and help you, how you help the team perform. And he has to get that defense sorted out. And I feel like that he has to work from back to front to, 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 and I wonder, I, I maybe a back four, but without Liam Cooper available, without uh, Calvin Phillips available yet, and Patrick Bamford, who was did very well last season to take his chances when they came, I think it's going to be difficult. Those guys are getting closer to coming back, but they're not there yet. And I really think from an attacking standpoint, 
can Rafinha find space between the lines? I mean, that's really going to make or break, I think, if Leeds can have a lot of success. We know that Leicester have a bit of a leaky defense, but that when you get Jamie Vardy playing well, it's uh, it's really, really, he's so streaky, you know, so it's going to be a, a tough one. And I, 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 it's hard. I don't even want to make a bet on this one because I'm, I'm so emotionally tied to the success of Jesse Marsh and I want him to do so well. But it'd be hard to go against Leicester at this particular moment, especially knowing where Leeds are. Is there a new manager bounce? Yes, I think there will be there. And I think playing zonal defense over man marking will make a difference. But without those three key players that I mentioned in the spine of the team, it's just going to be hard for him to really execute the way that I think that he wants to. Well, historically speaking, Leeds are unbeaten in their last five away league games against Leicester. So that helps them. Although to Jonathan Johnson's point, you know, this is uh, post-Bielsa and they're always, you know, rethinking those about their fatigue, etc. I, I agree with you, Jimmy. I think the, the zonal part is going to be a massive Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, factor because the, it thought that old school thinking of man to man takes a hell of a lot out of you. And, uh, you know, at the very least, when you don't have the ball leads, you can do something. I will say this about Jesse Marsh and this stigma. Uh, you know, this is a different type of situation and, and everybody needs to realize it. And obviously you hope Leeds United players realize it. This is a, a manager that's managed in the Champions League, right? Two teams two good leagues in Europe and now entering here. This is not just about, oh, he's America. This is a good manager, a good manager. And everybody needs to remember that. The key thing for me will be something that he said in this press conference, which to me is the biggest highlight of them all, which is like, there are so many complex things that we need to think about with this team right now. All I'm trying to do right now is simplify it, Mm -hmm. simplify it for everybody. So my thinking is that he's going to do what JJ said at the beginning, which is like, just stay alive. Just stay in the Premier League. Don't try and be sexy. Don't try whatever. Be forceful. Go for every tackle, et cetera. It's not going to be easy because when you look at that table, right, there are two games over Everton who are in 17th, one game over Burnley who are only two points under them. So they need to pick up points. So I know you don't want to make a bet because you're emotionally invested, Jimmy Conrad, but I mean, Jamie, Jamie Vardy to score first, plus 280. Jamie Vardy to score any time, minus 133. So you don't want to give me a result? Uh, I'm hoping for a draw, but I actually think Leicester are one of those teams that I think when they get going and they start to buy into what they're about and with Jamie Vardy healthy and you can finish those chances. I thought Harvey Barnes was Uh fantastic as well. Uh I think Uh I think Leicester will probably do it, but that's my that's my head. My heart's saying. Leeds will get a draw. All right, Heath. Uh, I mean, I, I think I think this ends in a draw here. Uh, Jesse Marshall. We talk about the stigma, but if the team goes down, he failed. Um, but know, we like, mentioned it, Heath, a few weeks ago. Like, is he set up to be the fall guy here? Because he's entering a. It's he's not entering preseason. He's entering March. He is entering March, March but it's, he's he's got enough games. And he know he's. I'm sure he's been watching. The eyes of Marsh. Yeah, there are two. Yeah, please. The exits to your right. Um, yeah, I, I. You know, it's just as simple as as if he can do. It's. I say it's simple. It's not simple. He's in a tough situation. But he took the job. He took the thing. You can't be the fall guy. You need to go in there and do the few things right that he thinks can get, turn around these results and just keep them up. That is literally it. Yeah. No one's asking you to do anything more That's than it. keep them up. So yeah, I, I, I'm, going with, I'm going with a draw on this one. one okay, more. JJ. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm I'm fancying a score draw as well. <clears throat> the one thing that I would add to this debate <clears throat> is this is a critical moment for American coaches in the Premier League because if I'm not mistaken, the last one was what, Bob Bradley with Swansea, which didn't last long <laughs> and didn't go particularly well. 
Um, Why are you bringing you know, up old stuff? stuff? Yeah. No, but this is it could have been worse. No, the, yeah. <laughs> but this is this is a huge this is a huge opportunity for him. I mean, I, honestly, I thought that that Jesse Marsh would wait it out and see what options were available in the summer. I know that he was sort of on the Leon shortlist to potentially replace Peter Boz. Uh, obviously, that won't be happening now. But you know, when you're sort of talking about sort of like you know the the Ted Lassoization of of, of coaches coming to Europe now uh, when they come from the US, especially coming to the Premier League. Uh, you know, I think we also have to bear in mind that because of the way that the last experience went with Bob Bradley, you know, there's a lot riding on this now. Uh, yeah, don't know, forget David Wagner and Huddersfield as well. Yeah, yeah okay, and, and Wagner, but, you know, he, I mean, I guess at least he got Huddersfield to the Premier League, which in itself was, mm. you know, a fantastic achievement. So this, when we're talking about sort of him, you know, almost being set up to be the fall guy to, you know, to fail, you know, there's also a lot to motivate Jesse Marsh going into this situation. And I wouldn't underestimate the power of that, you know, for him to sort of strike a chord with these players, you know, a siege mentality or, or what have you, and, you know, perhaps get a, a result uh, early doors. So for me, I'm, I'm going to try and look at this one positively. I'm going to go for a one, one draw. Well, as long as they lose the second game. Right, right, Jonathan Johnson. Uh, exactly. Well, you know what? Let, let's let's go for a Leeds win and then make sure, yeah, exactly, you know, put, exactly. put feet up the yeah. next week. <laughs> hey, just wait until Jesse Marsh has to face uh, Nate West Ham. That's going to be a problem. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Chelsea visiting Burnley. We talked about Burnley, who, by the way, even though they are in the relegation zone, they are picking up points and they do have a game in hand over the aforementioned Leeds United. By the way. Check out all our content on uh, on the uncertain times at Chelsea. Rob Harris on the sanctions against Russia. Fabrizio Romano on the contractual implications. All Roman Abramovich, of course. And, of course, JJ, our very own Jonathan Johnson on Abram Abramovich's decision to sell the club. But I do want a very quick reaction. Uh, and I just, you know, I don't know, Jimmy. Like, Chelsea's thinking as they, you know, visit Burnley. You've seen Thomas Tuchel already in a press conference. He's just... You know, and naturally so. He's not the owner here, but he is the representative of the club. And you, but you can see his frustration. I wonder how much that influences it uh, as they visit a team that's dying to get out of the relegation zone. Well, I think he's probably having some moral conflict, uh, maybe on a personal level. He does look a little agitated, not only in answering questions, but probably how complicated it is that he accepts money from Roman Abramovich, and that's who pays his salary. And and part of his job is to face the media and answer questions that might be uncomfortable at times. And whether he likes it or not, that's just how it goes. Uh, you know, maybe you shouldn't have accepted this poison chalice in some way if you didn't want to sit on the sit there and have to answer questions. I'll, I'll say that uh, I think that he's very good at blocking out stuff, not necessarily for him, but as he protects his team from some of this. Uh, as he mentioned in that press conference, you know, there's a lot of noise out there and it's obviously impacting everybody because we're all humans. I, I, I'm, they, they had a game midweek already. They've already kind of played in this situation. They were down to Luton town two one. They found a way to get back into it based on those goal scoring heroes, Timo Werner and Romelu Lukaku. Well, it was a microcosm of Abramovich, wasn't it? Because like they started the game with average, okay, young players. And then right. he needed that money. He needed Lukaku, Werner, et cetera, to win. Keep going. I'm sorry. So no, no, I just, I just think from a, from a game perspective, Burnley lost uh, to, to Leicester. Leicester, I thought, were very sharp and good in that particular game. Burnley had some chances. Mm. Uh, Chelsea have only won two out of the last six Premier League games away from home. And 
I don't know. They just figure out a way to make it happen. They still want to stay relevant in the conversation. I don't know about the title race per se, but to at least keep that cushion that they have in third over over the competitors that are going for that fourth spot. I, I, I'm just going to go right into betting tips. You know, I, I this usually hits about 70% of the time for me. It's a crazy bet. Uh, it's Chelsea to win in under two and a half goals. Thomas Tuchel special, as I call it. That one is plus two nine, 230 to go uh, Chelsea win in under two and a half goals. If you think they're going to give up some a goal and maybe Chelsea win in over two and a half plus 130 isn't bad either. But I like Chelsea to do the business here with all due respect to Burnley, who have to have that pluck, right, to try to survive at this point. And and have been fighting and, and actually have had some impressive results as as of late. But uh, this Chelsea team, I think, will will band together during some adversity and, and get a result here. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, that's sort of my theme. I would love you guys to to, to poke holes in this idea, but they've been under the microscope for everything from Lukaku to the way they play to bouncing back to all these things that while the Abramovich news is really horrible and it's a really tough situation for Tuchel and the players in in the locker room. There's also a bit of a distraction off of who's playing poorly, who their best 11 yeah, and all the things. There's no discussion of that. And while you're talking about a major, major issue that's uh, affecting the entire world, it does take a little bit of the attention off of that locker room that can focus on, you know, if you're Tuchel, you're talking about we can control what we can control. And now nobody's really criticizing. Lukaku's not in the conversation. He comes back and scores. They came back uh, from behind two times to get that result. Timo Werner, obviously. I think those are big those are little moments, but they're big moments for those players individually who I think have been struggling. So overall, I think it, there could be some positive to take out of it. Maybe I'm putting two things too extreme together to see the benefit of that. I'm just thinking, trying to see the 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 the, the positive side of something for Chelsea right now. And I think they're too strong for this Burnley side. And they're going to get a result. I'm saying a 2-0 win. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I On paper, I think that Chelsea definitely win this. Um, the, the only thing I would say is that you rarely see Thomas Tuchel flustered, rattled as you did in the in the, in the press conference leading up to the looting clash, and it kind of came across on the pitch from the players for a while. Uh, you know, they also looked like you know they weren't kind of sure of themselves, were looking a little lost. I mean, maybe that game gets that out of the system for them, and they sort of go back to the the, the situation they're in. Uh, I agree with Heath. I do think in some ways, you know, this could be a bit of a distraction, gets them, uh, you know, sort of able to sort out some of their issues on the pitch without people really paying too much attention to it. But also at the same time, I mean, we're talking about sort of them wanting to try and stay relevant in this title race. But if you look at the the, the table, I mean, they've still got games in hand. And if we're talking about City potentially being reeled back in, if they get a bad result against United, there's still a lot for Chelsea to play for. So I don't think that they can afford, uh, you know, really to, to, to take their eye off the ball, let themselves, uh, you know, sort of start, asking themselves too many questions because this could really be an opportunity for them this weekend because if United take, you know, even a point from City, you know, that suddenly brings, you know, the potential for, for Chelsea to get back into the title race that little bit closer. Uh, you know, you know, they really, I think, need to try and make the most of those uh, games in hand, uh, you know, make up for the, the time that they've lost with some of their poor form over the last couple of months. So, you know, for me, I think that this has the potential to either kind of make or break Chelsea um, in a way, because you don't want to be going up against a team fighting for your life if you're less than 100% sure of yourself. Uh, you know, and I think Tuchel will be hoping that they got that out of their system against Luton, who, you know, play a couple of levels below them. And it's, you know, I, I think that 
you know, this chat is not going to go away anytime soon. So they're going to have to get used to it, uh, you know, at least until the end of the season. Uh, who knows, you know, what the future holds beyond then. But, uh, you know, I think that this is a... a I mean, kind of Tuchel almost thrives in these kind of situations where it's kind of like an us against the world uh, mentality. Uh, you know, that's more than ever what this situation is for Chelsea right now in, in terms of what's going on on the pitch. Well, Burnley have won uh, just one of their 15 Premier League games against Chelsea. Chelsea have won six of their last seven away games against Burnley. So maybe something to be said there. Uh, going back to you, JJ, and then going around the table here, Quire, final thoughts here in the Premier League as we look at the remaining fixtures this weekend. JJ, you go first, buddy. Well, am I supposed to be looking anywhere other than Villa Park? Of course not. <laughs> no, I, mean, you, I, I, I said in the last uh, weekend preview that it was a hugely important match for us going away to Brighton. And if we didn't get the win, we could potentially be dragged into a relegation battle. We did come away with all three points. And now Southampton at home. I mean, if we're really serious about finishing in the top half of the table, uh, you know, Southampton are, are no mugs, obviously, but I think that's another game where, you know, Villa could be looking to make up for lost time and, and really, you know, should be looking to try and pick up uh, all three points and start, uh, you know, this salvage operation from between now and the end of the season. Other than that, uh, the game that I'd sort of have marked off on my calendar would be uh, would be Liverpool-West Ham for sure. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to say Liverpool-West Ham. Liverpool are an 11-game winning streak in all competitions. Coming off an amazing week, beating Chelsea in the Carabao Cup final. And then advancing in the FA Cup quarterfinals with Minamino scoring a couple bangers. Uh, West Ham, I thought, you know, they closed the gap with an important win over Wolves last week, but then lost to Southampton midweek where it was 1-1 for a while, but they just didn't make those, those pivotal plays. And I wonder, are they starting to tire a little bit? They also have to prepare for the Europa League where they unluckily face Sevilla in the, in the round of 16, which feels so unfair to West Ham given how well they had performed in the group stages. Uh, in the Europa League. So, I don't know. Liverpool are unbeaten at home this season. They've won their last four against West Ham at Anfield. This is really looking like one-way traffic. I love how Liverpool is playing right now, but I wanted to give a shout-out to, to West Ham that there's a possibility of them maybe getting the results if everybody's playing at the height of their potential. But it seems like we might see West Ham starting to trail off here. Yeah, the only thing I would add is is uh, Norwich Brentford, two teams Absolutely. on a, on a bit of a, of a, you know, Brentford are on a free fall similar to Leeds right now. And Norwich are, are just looking for any bit of hope. And obviously Watford playing against uh, Arsenal this weekend, as well as Burnley against Chelsea. There's an opportunity there for one of them to make some sort of statement. So just one to keep an eye on if you're a fan of uh, watching a game that's not going to be that exciting, but has major implications. It could be such a messy game with so much importance because Norwich, they, you know, they have a game in hand to Brentford. And to your point, they win that. They're four points behind Brentford. And we're only in March. I mean, it's going to be crazy. All right, we're going to, Take a break when we come back. Uh, first versus second in Serie A. Uh, some MLS action, La Liga, and so much more. Weekend preview, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, Jonathan Johnson, LME will be right back. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. marks the 50th anniversary of Title IX and the Attacking Third podcast. It's celebrating the anniversary all of March for Women's History Month. Each Tuesday during March, host Lisa Roman and Sandra Herrera will chat with groundbreakers in women's sports from Sam Mewis, Katrina Adams, and Amy Trask and Leslie Weiser. Listen to Attacking Third's Title IX Tuesdays on Apple Pods, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Serie A. By the way, for more action for more preview action of the weekend seria matches check out our pilot episode podcast of calcio corner it's a new weekly live and interactive show dedicated to seria and italian football with a cast of familiar faces from paramount plus's seria coverage each episode is going to be a feast of fiery opinions fantastic insight and overly dramatic hand gestures check out the world premiere on the Kegolazo podcast feed and the Kegolazo youtube channel right that's a lot of me Talking. Let's go, Jimmy Conrad. Napoli against Milan. You're going to be there in the studio, as you you know mentioned earlier. How are you feeling about this one? This one is a sexy one. By the way, Des Norris, our producer, was telling me that in the 80s, I believe, I forgot the actual year, this was another crucial time. Maradona against Hullet, 87-88. And it basically determined the rest of the season. And this is kind of the same thing here. What do you what do you think here? Napoli well, against AC Milan. I'm excited to be able to go into the studio to talk about a match of this magnitude. As you just mentioned, uh, I do or should say that Inter Milan are playing Salernitana on Friday. They have a game in hand. So if they win that, then technically they go top at 58 points. These two on 57. That said, I do think that if there's a result in this one or a victory either side, that really could propel either of these clubs to really legitimize their 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 hopes and dreams of winning the Scudetto this season and, and really, you know, vying with Inter, who I think will be in the conversation until the very end for, for the title. And you got to hold off Juve as well. Now, the last time these two teams played was in Milan, and Napoli actually got the result. It was mid-December. It was 1-0. And what I find interesting about Milan is, and Olivier Giroud, I think, has been fantastic for them. No big surprise, you know, if you've watched Giroud at any point with any of the clubs he plays for, but his link up play, I really think is bringing other players into the game. So you got Brahim Diaz who can now kind of join the attack a lot more and a lot more consistently. You have Rafael Liao, who I think is one of the best young players in Europe when he gets going and, and allows, if Drew can hold on to the ball and it brings in somebody else, he can release that ball over to Liao. Who's in now in those advantageous one V one situations where he's so good. Now I think there's still some frustration about his decision-making. Sometimes he should, he shoots when he should pass and vice versa. But ultimately, he's so he's so dynamic that I think that uh, when he's healthy, uh, Milan are a much different team. It might come down to defense. I mean, Napoli came back from a goal down against Lazio to win 2-1. Excuse me, uh, they were up 2-1 or 2-0. Either way, they won that game 2-1, but they gave up a lot of chances to Lazio. And, and that's a bit surprising because I think one of the hallmarks of Luciano Spalletti, the manager of of, of Napoli in the beginning of the year was how stout they were defensively. So if they can, either one of those teams can start to lock that in, then I think that's going to give them a really good chance 
to, to go on and get a result. But uh, overall, I, I'd probably see a draw on this one. <laughs> <laughs> all of that, all of that to be like, here's, here's your cheese pizza. You know, we've got, we've got all these toppings, but you get a cheese pizza. Uh, oh, that's such know. a good metaphor. <laughs> uh, I mean, the only thing I would say is that it, it took him to the 94th minute to win against uh, Lazio, uh, Napoli and Milan. They're sort of having to enter this almost feels like, post Zlatan era where they just don't have this consistency and know where they're going to get back when they're going to get him back and if they can rely upon him and if you look over the last 18 months there's been a huge reliance on when he's on the field uh the team has to sort of play to his strengths and play to the way that he plays and they get results out of that it's similar uh, what we're seeing now with a lot of the aging stars that they just take up a lot of attention and they can change the flow and the dynamic of the game and now you're as uh as uh, Jimmy mentioned with Giroud it changes the dynamic of that team, but we've also seen some inconsistent performances from him in that one as well. Napoli crashing out of the Europa League, I think, changes the dynamic of their race or chase for a title that allows them to now focus on that Coppa Italia now uh, out of that as well. And so I think this is a huge, a huge opportunity for them to uh, cement their stake. Again, I want AC Milan to win this one for personal reasons, and I want to see AC Milan back at the top again. But I think Napoli are probably the favorites uh, in this one. If Osiman is fit and healthy, I know there was some concerns with him over the last couple of weeks of overuse and not feeling quite fully fit. But I do know he played over uh, the last weekend. And so this is one that I'm going to go with a win for Napoli. Yeah, it's a shame that we don't have all of the teams having played uh, all of their games because you look at Inter, who could find themselves one point ahead of Napoli and AC. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Atalanta, who have a game in hand over Juve in that chase uh, for the final Champions League berth. You have Fiorentina just outside of the European positions as well, with a game in hand, who, assuming they all win, uh, you know, they're going to be bumped up, you know, a position or two. For me, I, I still feel like what I said a couple of weeks ago rings true with Napoli, where they almost adapt to uh, you know their 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 opponents. I, I feel like if their opponents can really put them uh, you know under you know turn the screw on them quite early in the game, they can rise to that. But they're not necessarily going to look to dictate the tempo of the game at this moment in time. Uh, I think as well when we're talking about AC Milan, you know we mentioned sort of like the Zlatan factor um, and not having him. I think missing Simon Kjaer, uh at the back is, is has been a huge loss for for Milan over the last couple of months and, and will continue to to be so. Um, but for me, I think that, you know, this is just such a huge opportunity for Napoli, you know, to strike a direct blow. I mean, this, this is a Napoli side that we were almost having to write out of the title race not that long ago because of how far they'd fallen after such a good start to the season. You know, so to see them sort of back at the top of the pile, even though there are games in hand to, to take into account, this is too big an opportunity for them to miss, I think. Yeah, Milan have won, by the way, only one of the last 14 games against Napoli as well. So statistically, that helps them. But, you know, we will see. Maybe I'll take that cheese pizza and call it a draw, Jimmy. I'm, go I'm, go I'm going 2 on Napoli. All right. Well, there Mine, you mine's, go. Mine's, mine's a little bit of a pepperoni flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Heath Pierce, uh, quick on uh, Roma Atalanta. As JJ uh, mentioned, they had a game in hand. They can take some advantage here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Roma aren't in the worst of forms. They're not in the best of forms. They're kind of sitting right middle. And when I look at the, how that table plays out, they're just fighting for their lives with 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 teams above them and below them. Uh, and and the thing about Roma is they just don't seem to capitalize on the opportunities that they have. And earlier on in the season, they've got a decently favorable result for the rest of the year. And they're playing against an Atalanta side who, again, there's goals galore between both of these teams, but uh, Atalanta side that haven't been at their best as well. I'm not. I, this might be the one where I sit on the fence because. 
On one hand, I see, I see, uh, gosh, Jimmy, I, I don't, I, Take I don't want to, I, uh, I just, I, I should have waited one game to go to sit on the fence. Cause I'm right after <laughs> Jimmy sitting on the fence, but yeah, I see this playing out as a draw. It's it, I, somewhat of a, a good result for both the te- these teams, considering the form that they're in and where they're trying to go. I will say Atalanta against Sampdoria in their most recent game were fantastic. I mean, they just, they're so devastating in transition and when they get going and they get that confidence and they can find that link up player that allows them to kind of play up and then back and they can go through and they go with numbers. It's really hard to slow down. And my biggest fear as a Roma supporter is how that defense of Roma can really withstand that consistently throughout a game. And you know that Mourinho is going to pull up some plan there. He's going to be a little bit, you know, blocking the passing lanes and it's going to be probably a choppy game. And we're going to hope Tammy Abraham can work some of his magic, which he's been doing pretty regularly throughout this, this particular season. They create a lot of chances too. It's another one of those that almost feels Rangnick-esque. And I, and I maybe hate linking Manchester United with Mourinho at this point, but it's not like they don't create chances. You, you see Tammy Abraham getting good spots. Mkhitaryan gets in good spots. Vera too. Uh, any of their players get in good spots, Saniolo, but can they finish those opportunities? And they haven't been doing that consistently and that puts a lot of pressure on the defense to have to be perfect and this is a defense that's not that great so a draw would be great i'd take a draw as a roma supporter especially uh because of how well adelante is playing but i do want to throw out there the last time these two teams played was in bergamo and roma beat them 4-1 they scored four goals on five shots so on that particular day they were taking their chances but adelante can never sleep on them or their manager gasparini yeah, I take Jimmy's point, but I remember Gasparini kicking off about a few of the decisions in that game. So I think <laughs> I, I think I think some people might might debate that it was not necessarily the uh, the most reflective of the the way that the game played out. But this is a game that Atalanta just cannot afford to lose. If you look at where they are in the table with that uh, you know game in hand, they can't allow Roma to to get back into that race when they're looking to still try and squeeze that Champions League spot away from uh, Juventus. So you know, I'd I'd expect Atalanta to be really motivated for this one uh you know and save some of their better form for it and like i mentioned as well you know with fiorentina breathing down both of their backs neither team is going to want to drop any points and uh and, and lose any ground in this race for europe well i tell you what if atalanta win they'll break that streak of roma right now uh i'm beaten in six consecutive games the last time they did that was in 2020 so you know Mourinho, who won't be there still serving a sideline suspension. Maybe that's why. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But let's move on here and let's just do a quick uh, tour around Europe, uh, the rest of Europe, Spain, France, and Germany. I'll just mention some games going on and you just, you know, give me some thoughts from wherever you want to go. Real Betis against Atleti. Real Madrid against Sociedad. Bayern against Leverkusen. Uh, Armenia against uh, Augsburg. And Nice against Paris Saint-Germain. Jonathan Johnson, I'm going to take a gamble here. Where do you want to go? <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of torn. I mean, I'd love to talk about Betis uh, Atleti because uh, I was writing up one of the exclusive uh, quotes that we had from Andres Guardado about this crucial run that Betis find themselves in at the moment. It would be fantastic to see them in Champions League contention, uh, you know, but also, uh, you know, getting towards the latter stage of the Europa League, uh, you know, and, and now with the, the, the Copa del Rey as well. It's... It, you know, it's just a really exciting time to see, you know, what is happening with this Betis side under, under Manuel Pellegrini. And I mean, it's easy for me to say because I've had a soft spot for Betis for for decades now. But you know, people underestimate how big a club this is. You know, how much affection there is for Betis. Uh, you know, and I think that there's going to be a lot of people rooting for Betis to pull this off against an Atleti side that, I mean, although their form has picked up a little bit 
you know, they're still not quite the, you know, the force that many people expected them to be this season. And it almost feels like it would kind of be a little bit of a crime, really, for them to get back into the Champions League race at Betis's expense, because obviously Betis losing to Sevilla in the in in the uh, Seville derby uh, just last week. And, you know, they're kind of now in this risky position where almost everything that they've worked so hard for this season could uh, could fall away. I mean, I'll throw a little bit in on, uh, on, on PSG Nice as well. Uh, you know, Nice... It's been a really impressive season for them under Christophe Galtier so far. Uh, you know, getting to a Coupe de France final, unexpectedly going up against Nantes instead of Monaco. Nantes winning the penalty shootout the other night, uh, you know, which I think now really presents a fantastic opportunity for Galtier to get his hands on some silverware that, you know, he has not always that come that close to to, to winning uh, in his time in charge, certainly since PSG have been so dominant on the domestic front. So, you know, for him to be able to add a Coupe de France title just after last season's Ligue 1 title and have a very solid campaign with Nice where they probably will end up qualifying for the Champions League, uh, you know, I think that that would be a very good return for his first season. Uh, with Nice and really with this game against PSG, it just depends on how motivated PSG are. We saw them fall behind against Saint-Étienne after having been spanked and embarrassed by Nantes uh, the week before. So, you know, if they play the way they played in the second half against Saint-Étienne, you know, yeah, it's going to be a match worth watching. But otherwise, I'd expect Nice to, to, to show them up, really, if they perform anywhere like they have, uh, you know, since that win over Real. Yeah, Nice is nice, everybody. I'm going to use the easy joke there. I really Jimmy, the exit's also on the right. I think the exit's on the right. I'm going to go on my Come my way. Now, I want, to, right. I, I want to see this, this freight train known as Barcelona right now, this revitalized Barcelona. They're away to Elche. And I, Real Madrid versus La Real. Real Sociedad is going to be a great match as well. But I'm actually heading over to the Bundesliga in Germany because Bayern Munich taking on Bayer Leverkusen is insane because Bayer Leverkusen in their last... 10 games have scored 48 goals. Damn. They're averaging 4.8 goals a game in their last 10. That is insane. And we know the Bayern Le- Munich likes to score. It's Lewandowski numbers. It really is. And and we have we could have a potential like a 5-5 game here. And I just feel like that is worth watching. The reverse fixture when they played earlier this season, Bayern won 5-1. And I don't know. I, I just feel like we, we're in for a barn burner of a game between Bayern and Bayer Leverkusen. So just uh, one of the... Yeah. Let everybody know that that one's going on. I like yeah, it. My, my final thought was just a follow-up uh, of uh, in terms of those leagues on the Bayern Leverkusen, just because this is the two top scorers uh, domestically in Europe right now. Patrick Schick, who is obviously the reason why Jesse Marsh got fired from RB Leipzig. <laughs> he, he didn't get to have somebody who is a scorer like that. Uh, while he was there against uh, Bobby Lewandowski, who's just been fantastic. And just for entertainment value alone, two top scores, I think, uh, across all of the top five leagues in Europe right now, uh, taking uh, going up against each other with with Borussia Dortmund sitting right in the middle. And quite frankly, uh, and maybe you guys feel differently, but the the Holland train has gotten a little bit quieter over the last couple of months uh, compared to what it was and and the scoring rate that he was on to see Patrick Schick kind of step up into that position, I think is fantastic and it should be a great game. Absolutely. All right. Well, before final thoughts here, very quick on MLS, uh, some fixtures on the screen as we had the opening weekend last weekend. Charlotte opening their beautiful stadium against LA Galaxy. Chicharito doing his thing and, you know, the final moments of that game against NYCFC, of course. Chicago against Orlando City. Shakiri, of course. LAFC, Carlos Vela, Charlie Candle with a hat trick uh, last weekend against Portland, of course. Anything from those, Jimmy? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of great matchups. I mean, just after week one, I've learned that FC Cincinnati still suck ass, with all due respect <laughs> to my pal, Pat Noonan, who's the coach. Uh, LAFC, it's still riding or dying with Carlos Vela. When he's on and on fire, they're obviously going to be title contenders when he's not or if he's injured. I don't think they will be. I don't know what's going on with my former club, San Jose and Sporting Kansas City. Super sus defending, as the kids would say, sussy, suspect. Okay, uh, but but after seeing a lot of the first week performances, I think the Nashville one over Seattle, going to Seattle to get a result 1-0, really speaks to their their title hopes. And and uh, I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to play this particular week against Minnesota, another big away game. Austin FC, big 5-0 win. Can they do it again against Inter-Miami? And there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of watching all of them. You know, anytime I can catch a game this weekend because there, there's a lot of them going on, I'm going to do it because uh, I'm pretty excited about this upcoming season. Yeah, for me, the, the, the closest thing is obviously uh, Steve Trundle in a test now uh, against against Portland, a completely different side. Obviously, you expected Colorado to be great last week and they started the season poorly, but now it's about creating a little bit of a run of form if you're LAFC to really test. You're not going to Car- get Carlos Vela. In fact, Carlos Vela usually misses a third pushing to a half of a season based on on his health. And so you have to figure out other ways. Obviously, they've got Chicho Arango, who was a record-setting striker uh, for the team last year, but trying to figure out what that best 11 is for them. And as Jimmy mentioned, Cincinnati, that's the one that I'm really worried about. And that leads me to Cincinnati being a neat, a, a newish team in the league leads me to, to uh, Charlotte and sort of where they're going to fall in. It's a lot of pressure now to become uh, a, a new team in the league in terms of performances, right? We've seen how fan bases and fan culture and supporter culture starts to be sort of the new standard and teams are getting it right. Charlotte has a huge fan base and a huge soccer fandom in their area, but it's all about the performance on the field. If the league wants to grow, you need to have these better teams sort of reach the heights of, of, of the LAFCs when they first came into the league. And so I'm, I've got my eye on them sort of not just this weekend, but sort of in their first season as well. Isn't the attendance expected to be like super high for that game as well? I've been reading some like crazy figures. Woo, baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up. I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing uh, the the festival of color that produces, and just re- glad really that my preseason tip of Chicago Fire is uh, paying off for you guys. Nice uh, juicy <laughs> nil nil to start off the season against uh, Phil Neville's into Miami. So uh, no, I mean I, I think it's early days to, to to be drawing too many conclusions, and uh, I'm. I still think that they're definitely going to be a, a, a team to, to keep an eye on. And I'm curious to see how it all plays out, especially once, you know, Shakiri can fight, uh, find his feet and, uh, you know, get a bit of form back in those legs. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, there's, JJ, there's, you there's said you were worried about, you said you were worried about him because they let him go so easy from Leon. This is guy, you know, are we- oh, no, I, I want, I want to know what Leon had seen sort of from him over those first like six months to think like, right, we can do without this guy, because I, I think now he's, <laughs> he's, he's got no choice, but to be motivated and to play because otherwise he's not going to be getting in Switzerland squad for the world cup. Right. Uh, you know, and it's, uh, you know, he's going there, uh, you know, with a lot of expectation on his shoulders as well. He's, he's going there to be the the guy. So, you know, he's going to have to earn his, uh, earn his money and, uh, and look good in that uh, pretty neat kit that they've got. On the conclusion of a Chicago winter as well, you got to really give it up to him, by the way. Hey, young baseball fans, by the way, do you want some action? Come to MLS, baby. It's just aching for you. It's asking for you. Now that you're, you know, the first few series of your league is not happening, come to Major League Soccer. You never know. You might find a team right there. Let's go some final thoughts here. Heath, let's begin with you. Final thoughts as we say goodbye. 
I mean, sometimes I get to this point of the show and I've run out of final thoughts because I something know. funny then, Heath. Uh, uh, anything, anything else? Non soccer. On the right, Heath. Texas <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you guys are just so funny that it's hard to really just <laughs> yeah. deliver something this late in the show. You know, I'm, nah, I'm not man. really. You're the one that came up with the cheese pizza thing. You win, I think. No, I just uh, for anybody that's watching this visually, I apologize for like a lot of wall you can see on my background. I had uh, mm -hmm. went out of town, came back, and everything fell off. So that's going to be where I put my time and effort in the next couple of days is getting this uh, studio back up and running again. Well, let's hope so, my friend, Jimmy. I will see everybody on Paramount Plus for Serie A. Yeah, we know. Day. You're going to yeah, be in the Jimmy. studio, Jimmy. I know. My God. I, hey, might, I, I might shave and brush my teeth. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> well, safe flight, my friend. Jonathan Judson. Guys, been a pleasure being with you as always. I mean, I guess... To finish on something interesting, given that we've done the cheese pizza analogy, why don't we we all give our favorite pizza topping something okay. different? Oh, I like it. All right, what's your favorite, uh, Jonathan? Jonathan, mine it has to be some sort of like spicy meat slash sausage. So like, uh, ideally, like a spicy pepperoni pizza, maybe okay. maybe with some uh, peppers on it as well. Okay, all right, Jimmy. Well, as you know, I like the draw, so I'm a cheese pizza lover, everybody. I love the cheese. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's not a topping though. You can't have pizza without the cheese, Jimmy. That's like the that's the that's the extra like the, cheese. Extra that's, cheese. That's the base. It's just, like, it's just it's just like the base that you buy in the supermarket. Yeah. Okay. I, I I'm gonna go with I I do like uh, JJ's sort of spicy pepperoni because. And you can get that more often, I think, in Europe. I, I used to get uh, a pizza from Pizza Hut once in a while uh, or twice a week when I was playing in the Bundesliga, even though you're not supposed to have that. Um, <laughs> from Pizza Hut, no free ads. But it had this spicy pepperoni that I couldn't get in the States, and it was delicious. But I'm, because of that, I'm going to go with green chilies. You can't get green chilies, but a lot of places, uh, you can get, uh, some places around the world, you get green chilies. That's on your it. It's favorite? Nicest, yeah. Well, just I like spice on it. And when you get the green, like the actual little tiny green chilies that make it real spicy, I, I, I wouldn't do it all the time, but whenever I get a pizza like that, it's phenomenal. All right. All right. Okay. Well, listen, pepperoni or sausage are clearly the leaders, but I'm going to tell you something. In Peru, Hawaiian pizza is very popular. I'm just saying that are, it's are you fine. reporting? Are you reporting the news right now? Or are you taking a stance on this? Pineapple. <laughs> yeah. Live from Lima. Yeah, Peruvians yeah. love Hawaiian. Yeah. <laughs> You, anyway. you know, you know what, you know what's equally controversial. I don't hate it. Yeah, Jonathan Johnson. <laughs> I don't, thank I don't you. either. Thank yeah. you, thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, Heath, you and your although, green although, chilies. Although, although, although you can cha change the ham for a bit of bacon, and then you're onto a winner. Yeah. Oh my mm. God, too good. All right. Well, listen, I'm trying to lose some weight this month, so there's no way I can do that. But live from Lima, Peruvians like uh, some Hawaiian. And here we go. That's the end of our weekend preview jimmy conrad thank you so much honestly have a safe flight and can't wait to watch you uh, uh on sediac coverage uh have a safe flight buddy thank you very much keith pierce i hope you arrange your your wall the right way thanks appreciate you guys having me uh jonathan johnson up the villa pleasure as always indeed up the villa and see you guys very soon Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Kegolasso Pod on Twitter, John underscore Legosset, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, Instagram Twitter. Well, of course, we're on YouTube. Pods help us get to 10,000 by the time Champions League comes back next week. We will see you next time. Have a great, great weekend. Till then.